All right. Well, welcome into the Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring the great Richard Sherman and presented by our good friends at DraftKings, who are again giving you a chance to turn one dollar into a hundred dollars. It's more than a chance because if you use the promo code PFF, all you have to do is to pick a fighter to land one punch during UFC 259. And you get the hundred dollars. So hundred to one odds on any fighter you want landing one punch. Now the odds are so astronomical that your dude gets knocked out by the other dude without ever landing a punch or almost zero. So you're giving away a free hundred dollars. Why would you do that? So we are going to give you a hundred bucks and also a great podcast today. Uh, We have free agent wide receiver from the Chicago Bears, Allen Robinson, a very interesting guy and someone that PFF has in the top five of all the free agents in the league coming off of back-to-back thousand-yard years, Uh, phenomenal player, great guy to talk with, really understand some of the ins and outs of this league. Um, And we got into a lot of his current situation and what he's looking for either from the Chicago Bears or his next team and next contract. Uh, Also a very interesting discussion about how the Bears two quarterback system this year with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles really impacted that offense and it surprised them. Uh, College quarterbacks he's impressed with. Uh, The inner workings of free agency between Richard and Allen, both of whom are going into free agency now, hopefully, as far as Allen Robinson is concerned. Uh, a very interesting discussion there. And I can tell you, it ain't all about the money, which it usually is, but it wasn't for these two guys. So here we go. The podcast, wide receiver, Chicago Bears, Allen Robinson, and the great Richard Sherman. All right, here we go. This is going to be one of my favorites here. We have uh, the great Richard Sherman, of course, where you have the good fortune of having uh, the man on the show every single week. And now we are joined by Alan Robinson. And for those of you who may be living under a rock somewhere, I'll give you a little bit on Alan. He's 6'2", 220-ish, already has 39 touchdowns, just one yard shy of 6,000 total yards, 5,999. That's a little painful. Just say there's one yard short. Three 1,000-yard seasons, including the last two. And most would argue, Richard. I'm just going to say most. I'm not going to say I would argue. I'm just going to say most would argue that he really has yet to have that great quarterback. He sort of started off with Christian Hackenberg, right, Penn State. We go a little Blake Bortles. We go Mitch Trubisky. We go Nick. And everybody has always had the same question. What would Allen Robinson, with perhaps the greatest catch radius in the history of God's green earth, the guy can catch it eight feet behind him or 18 feet over his head or 18 feet in front of him, what would the great Allen Robinson do if he were to play with A-Rod or one of those kind of guys? Man, I'll say this. Um, I think that, you know, especially for myself, um, something that I really uh, factor into the offseason and preparing for every year is – you know, not really worrying about who is throwing me the ball and things like that, just really focusing on getting better each and every year. You know, um, I think that after my second year in the league, um, my third year was probably the only year that somebody could say that I didn't have a better year than the year I I had prior, you know. And I really took that to heart and I really looked at everything. You know, um, for myself, it was a tough year that year, you know, with some of the things that were going on. 
quarterback situation. Um, same thing with um, we fired our GM, fired our head coach, you know. So when I take my approach into the offseason, you know, I take a kind of when I go into that mode of training, you know, I really want to foolproof my game, you know. And and I do that and I say that because for myself, man, um, it's things like that you can't control, you know. And it's, and it's so hard to be able to control without possibly, you know, having so many other butterfly effect, you know, uh, factors, you know, as far as if I play here, then, you know, certain situations on obviously, you know, um, um, possible financial regards, you know, like, like Richard was saying earlier, where you live at, there's so many things that you can't control, you know? So for myself, I really just try to focus on controlling what I can, you know, and I've been able to do that my, my entire career, you know? So I never really focus on, you know, I don't really care too much about, you know, who's throwing the ball as crazy as that may sound as a receiver, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not chasing anything yet. You know what I'm saying? I'm going out here being the best player that I could be, you know, and trying to impact the teams that I'm on, impact the, the players, impact the coaches, you know, and, and things like that. Cause like I said before, man, um, as a player, you know, you can kind of factor those into different decisions, but at the end of the day, man, it's a league where dudes get hurt, you know, players get traded, you know, it's a lot of things, you know, so you have to factor in, you know, the, the totality of everything rather than just who's throwing me the ball. Because as we saw, you know, I actually knew somebody personally who went to go play with the Colts, you know, and then um, Andrew Luck retired that preseason, you know, and, and that was a decision that he solely made to really go play with Andrew Luck, you know? So, I mean, it's a lot of different things that you can kind of factor in, but for myself, you know, the, the biggest thing is that, man, when I go into that training mode in the off season, I really, ever since my second, well, after my second year, you know, I've really foolproof my games. So I don't care who's throwing the ball. I don't care who's calling the plays, you know, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm out here, I'm in that mode where I'm trying to continue to get better and impact everybody around me on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think you need to hire Richard as your agent, though. I think he let let Richard worry about all those things, will you? Let's let's let Richard focus in on that. Right, 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 right. We got to focus in on the team. We got to focus in <laughs> on on getting him max value because obviously they've been underpaying the man since he since he left Jacksonville. Um, and I think I think all that matters. I think at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a great offseason if they let him go. You know, if they if they let him see free agency, you know, I think that's a big factor um, with the with the limited cap. Um, the franchise tag might, you know, seem even more attractive because it's a lower number than it would have been uh, if it was 210 or, you know, whatever it was supposed to be. But I think, you know, I mean, you, you, you made something out of nothing a lot of times, you know, and, and, and I think that's, that's what people admire most about you is that you, you never complain. You never see, throw anybody under the bus. You just, you know, put your, put your, uh, put your hard hat on, you know, grab your lunch pail and you go to work. Um, and I think that's, going to benefit you down the line um, when hopefully you do get a quarterback that uh that that is more efficient and uh, more accurate with the ball. Um, but I think it all, you know, it's all going to be great. You know, it's all positive this offseason. You know, free agency can be such a such an odd time because, you know, you feel like the, the pretty girl at the prom, you know, everybody calling you, everybody texting you, everybody emailing, and it makes you, you know, it, it, it kind of it's nice, you know, it's nice to, to feel valued, you know, and, 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 and feel appreciated. Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of those teams that, that are, that are calling and texting, um, are the teams that, that are struggling, you know, and, and I don't know if, you know, you know, in my situation, I'll be like, I don't know if you're me away from, you know, being where I want you to be, you know, <laughs> you know, if I'm going to put you, um, you know, in the, in the conversation to get to chase the trophy. Um, and a lot of times that's that, well, you know, I've only been in it once, but, that's that's the conversation I'm having with them. That's the conversation I'm having with myself. Um, I'm having conversations with my wife about location. Um, 
you know, how, how realistic is it uh, for me to, for me to, you know, spend six months there? Um, do we buy, do we rent? Uh, you know, what's the state income tax? What's, what's all the ramifications, you know, going into it that, that I got to deal with, you know, Hey, are they practicing even practice schedule? You know what I mean? Like, are y'all practicing three, three hours a day? I agree, man. And it's, and for myself, you know, going through this for the second time, you know, this time around, um, it's so much more comforting than the first time because I was coming off an ACL injury, you know? So, I mean, that was a whole different thing in itself, you know, but, um, again, I'm very similar, you know, to yourself in the standpoint of, you know, um, even, even when you went to San Fran, you know, I think that, you know, you probably saw and believed in what San Fran had and what they were building, you know? And I think that you're, again, a player like myself where, you know, you can be a cornerstone piece to a defense, you know? So it's like, and I think that players like us, you know, have tremendous foresight for our own careers, you know, depending on what the situation is. Like, again, like some people thought I was crazy when I went to Chicago after leaving the team who just went to the AFC championship, you know, but I knew for my career and, and where I wanted to take my game, the culture that Chicago was building, you know, I, I mean, it's no doubt in my mind if somebody had told me, you know, when I signed that I wouldn't have a losing season and out of three seasons, we go to the playoffs twice. You know I mean? That's why I went there, you know? So again, definitely factor in, factor in all those things, you know, but I think the toughest thing about this league rather than some other leagues is that, you know, you can't like, you can't guarantee winning. Like that's something in this league that's, so different than any other of the leagues is that you can try to put yourself in the best possible situation. But in this league, guarantee the aspect of winning is so far from one single player's control or something that you may see in the spring rather than when he gets to February. And I think that's a, a lot of things that people from the outside don't really factor in. It's like, well, you know, you can go here, you can win. But it's like, man, people get hurt. Things happen. It's It's so tough to guarantee winning in this league. So again, for myself, I really look at it, you know, as far as, again, how can I impact, you know, the players around me, you know, um, the, the talent of the players around me, the culture, you know, those are the things that I truly find, you know, that a lot of winning teams have. And a lot of things that the winning teams value is, you know, the culture, the players, you know, how, how is the communication between everybody? Because that's ultimately what kind of sets up the standard for winning. Well, I'll just say this. The prettiest girl at the prom always has a crown on her head at the end of the night. So let's try and put a crown on the head of Allen Robinson here and find out exactly where might be sort of the best situation. Allen, let's start with the basics of this thing, because you have the full Monty in front of you, right? I mean, you could sign a long-term contract. You could be tagged for, I think it's about 16 and a half million, something like that. Um, you could be signed and traded to another team. Uh, have you gotten any sort of feel? The last thing I read on you where a contract talk was happening was in September. Has there been anything that's happened since then? Uh, there hasn't, you know, and, and, and again, I mean, now I'm not sure as far as the other side, you know, how, how, how that is being communicated, whatever the case may be, but from my terms, you know, that, that hasn't happened. And, and again, for myself, you know, um, I think that, you know, going into my eighth season, I'm really ready to, you know, see and really indulge in the next chapter of my career, you know, rather that be in Chicago or rather that be somewhere else. You know, my thing is, you know, I'm a guy who, when I step into a situation, obviously guys will want to sign a longer term deal, you know, even for myself as a player, you know, I'm one of those guys where obviously things take some time and stuff like that. So 
stepping into a situation. I want to be in a situation where, you know, I feel like whatever if whatever it is, is, you know, I have the time, I had the ability to be able to to help build that to, you know, to be able to win, you know. So again, for myself, you know, um, we haven't had contract talks in. And again, I mean, I'm not because of I had spoke to somebody, you know, a couple of weeks ago and it was a whole story that came out. And I mean, I'm not I'm not begging anybody to pay me, you know, like that's not where I'm at. You know, I know I know what I bring to the game. I know what I can do, you know. So, again, I'm not I'm not I'm not begging, you know, I'm not I'm not asking whatever happens may happen. And at the end of the day, it's a business, you know, and as you go through this thing a couple of times, you know, you understand that on both sides on the player side, it, it's a business, you know, based on them and what they're factoring into their career. And I understand on the other side it's the same way, you know? So again, I mean, whatever happens with that, you know, happens, but you know, whatever the next chapter is for me, you know, I'm, I'm definitely excited and looking forward to it. My question is like, what, what exactly, you know, obviously this is the second time around we talked about, you know, how comfortable it is this time, you know, you, you're not coming off of a major surgery, a great season. What exactly are you looking for from an organization? Because you know, unlike last time, I'm sure you feel that, you know, you got more power, you got more, you know, say so in, in, in this decision. So is it is it a cultural fit? Is it is it offensive coordinator? Is it is it just overall team? What you looking for most? Um, culture fit. And I would say culture, you know, definitely um, as far as offense, you know, and then also, you know, when it kind of comes to the to the to the team aspect, you know, and again, from being in certain locker rooms, I think cultures with teams are are huge you know like like I mean and you've been a part of some great cultures you know yourself Richard so as far as like when you kind of see that you know you understand how far you know that can take a team one then the second would be on the on the offensive coordinator side you know I personally feel like I can fit into 97 percent of schemes you know but definitely being able to be in a scheme where you know I'm able to to move around, I'm able to have those impactful plays on first down, able to get in the mix on third down. You know, but at the same time, you know, um, I'm not opposed to, you know, playing with playing with some of the other, you know, uh, dope receivers in the league. You know, I think that that's something that, you know, I had a chance to do. I mean, we have some uh, real good young guys uh, in Chicago, you know, but I, I even think back to when I played with Alan Hearns, you know, and, and, and me and him both went for over a thousand yards and just kind of the the energy that we had to compete to make each other better on a, on a weekend, week out basis. And, you know, that definitely was exciting too. What happens if you get tagged? In other words, you guys, you can't get a contract. And we've seen Deshaun Watson. We've even seen Russell Wilson now, guys who have signed mega long-term contracts, you know, pushing back, wanting trades. Now, this is sort of the halfway house of that, right? When you get tagged, it's a one-year deal. Uh, you're sort of forced into it. Would you take that? That's the tough situation, man, because it's, you know, for myself, um, I think that I'm, you know, definitely deserving of a, of a long-term deal, you know, not only uh, as a player, you know, but as a, as a person who is involved in the culture. You know, I'm a person who I feel like I've helped build Chicago's culture, and I think wherever, whether it be Chicago or somewhere else, wherever my next stop would be, I think that I would be a contributing factor to that culture, you know, and again, for myself is, you know, that's, that's a significant value, you know, and when you talk about, you know, a one-year deal or whatever the case may be, something that you're kind of forced into as a player, you know, when you're coming off of 3,000 yards in three seasons, when you help take a team to the playoffs two out of three years, you know, it's like you do feel deserving of the long term, no matter where that would be. You know, I think that's what kind of makes the franchise tag so tough. It's not the fact that I mean, I, I think I can get a long term deal 
probably in 31 other teams, you know, now depending on how that may look, depending on teams caps and the players they have and stuff like that. But as a player, that should all kind of be up to your discretion. You know, it's like you can factor things in and say, you know, do I want to take what here? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? But the franchise tag really kind of hinders you. And then again, I mean, it puts it puts a lot of stuff back onto the player, you know, especially in my situation where, again, you know, I think that I brought a lot to the game over the past three years, you know, so that's a very tough situation, you know, and and for myself, you know, um, I probably would say that's definitely, you know, on the on the bottom, you know, of of my list of choices. Yeah. How about this one? Let me lay it. So going to play with Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, one of the, that's an easy choice, right? You know what you're going to get, you know what you're going to have, but you also know that a lot of these teams that are drafting first, second, third, and fourth are sitting there on a bunch of cash and they're going to have a young quarterback and they're going to need somebody like you. Right. So there's real value. There's value above and beyond what you can do as a player. Uh, I, I'm kind of falling in love with some of these young quarterbacks. I got to say, I think t- Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, you know, uh, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, I, you know, they're a lot, they all have some skills they're going to bring in here. Would that scare you off? No, no, I'm not winning at all. You know, again, um, just kind of my approach to the game, you know, um, Again, like I said before, man, I'm not a person who, you know, I can't, I could, I feel like I can pretty much build with anybody who's throwing the ball or anybody who's calling the plays. You know, I think that, you know, that's a, that's another big part of my game. You know, so that doesn't scare me away at all. You know, again, when I came to Chicago, you know, I came in with a second year Trubisky, you know, and I think that we, you know, build and, and got to a point where, you know, again, we were able to connect on, you know, back to back thousand yard seasons. You know, I had 200 catches in the past two years. You know, we were able to get to the playoffs, you know, and we were able to do some good things, you know. So, again, for myself, um, I think that that's something that, you know, that I bring to the table. And as a vet, you understand that, you know, a lot of times value that you bring as a vet is that you're able to uplift some of the younger players coming into the league, especially as a receiver with a quarterback or a receiver with other young receivers. That's that's a factor that I, I I don't think people understand, especially fans. You know, fans are always like like, oh man, let's bring this guy in. He runs this. He he does this. He does that. And it's like, well, he's an individual. You know what I mean? And if and if you you think that way and, and you're all about me and you're all about me, there's no championship in your future For because sure. in order to win the Super Bowl, you have to be about team, especially if you're you're a vet player that that you're coming in and these kids respect. You know, so you have to some people use that respect as just like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, pump, pump my chest out and show <laughs> like I'm the man. But some people use that to to bring, you know, rising tide lifts all ships. So you encourage these kids. You use that respect that they have to encourage them to 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 study more, to take care of their bodies, to not go out and drink, to 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 focus on the season and That's use it. that to influence the team in a positive way. Because like you said, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And so every every culture and every team that I've been a part of, I always focus on that. Like it takes more time. It takes more energy. It stresses you out. It puts you under an eight ball a lot of times because you're sitting there, you know, calling kids all the time, going to their houses, sitting in the locker room, talking to them for every checking in on everybody, you know, in person, you know, having conversations with guys. And and it, and it, and it takes a toll on you. But that's the necessary. That's what they're paying for. You know for what I mean? Sure. For sure. And I think that's something that's very undervalued, you know. And again, I mean, as as older players, you know, we see all the time, you know, we could just draft this player or we could just do that. Or we could just do this, you know, when it comes to younger players. But it's like it's not it's not the same. You know, it's like 
when you have people who, you know, at the same time, it may be guys on offense who are frustrated because of how the offense is going. You've got younger guys. you got to just continue to talk to them about the bigger picture of the season. You know, even talking to guys about the bigger picture of their own personal careers. You know, getting guys together in the offseason to train and, and do different things. You know, the camaraderie of it all. Like, I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like you said, it, it, takes, it takes a lot. But as vet players, you know, that's, you know, what I've learned to embrace. And that's what I learned to, you know, that that's a, a part of me that's helping to to build a culture, you know, to ignite a culture, you know, to fuel something with young guys that, you know, if you take a vet out of the mix, you see a totally different team, you know, because players relate to players far differently than coaches do. And coaches can only do so much, you know, coaches aren't in the locker room, coaches aren't in the huddle, coaches aren't on the field, you know. So as players, you know, you definitely bring that on the field coach kind of aspect you know and, and and you definitely can help guys along the way whether if it's see coverages whether if it's something to think about with a with a release or certain technique you know so that's a very undervalued thing in my opinion yeah one of the great things with Allen and Richard maybe you can address this better than I can but as a receiver that can play outside and go get the contested catches with the deep balls and set up guys and, and get them deep they can do all the stuff over the middle and go catch it without regard to his body has the short area quickness to play inside. If he needs to Has the blocking skills at 220 to crack, to take on any backer sitting in that zone as a defender, having somebody that can play all those positions at that level, that makes a difference. Oh, it definitely makes a huge difference, you know, and, and like, like a Rob said earlier, like it's it makes a difference, especially even more when you have another dynamic receiver, because then there's no there's no hey well you know if he's at three you know he's getting the ball so you know hey he's he's running a special all eyes are on him but if you have multiple then it's like hey well he's at one he's at three well shit you got to shade over him and then we gotta hey, we gotta find a way to help the backer or it's just gonna be a tough down all day you know and I think. I think that's what 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 makes him special, and and that's a respect level that that he's gonna have from from other guys is that he's so versatile, you know, and that he 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 doesn't take plays off. He plays hard every play, whether it's run, whether it's pass. You got receivers in this league still, you know, that that walk off on run plays, like walk off as hey, run play, just hey y'all y'all have fun, you know. It's, they're playing with ten guys, um, and and I mean I don't have a lot of respect for that, and I'm sure you know it, it sends the message to young guys, and those are some of the players that aren't culture builders that that aren't guys that 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 you know they might make a lot of money but they're not making a lot of money because of what they can do and the impact that they can make on the team their their only impact is on the field their only impact is between those lines and a lot of times guys like this you have impact between the lines playing slot playing inside playing outside doing all those things blocking um but it's also setting the tone setting an example of what's to be expected because if that's your number one guy and he's doing all the dirty work and doing doing everything and making no excuses then the number two three four five guy can't do any can't make any excuse can't say i'm not doing anything most definitely and, and, and even you know creating a certain culture in practice you know um you know for guys being able to you know really go out there and and be effective and get stuff out of practice you know i think that's something you know i had a I had a coach when I came into the league for my first three years in Jacksonville, um, a coach Sullivan, you know, he's a guy who always taught me whether if it's walkthrough, whether if it's practice, work your technique. You know, I, I joke with some of the other guys, you know, uh, all, all the time and some of the young guys and say that for me, like I can go through a walkthrough and that's just like me having to practice, 
you know, mentally, like I'm literally working the same thing. For some guys, you know, walk through just a walkthrough. You know, it's like, okay, you know, toss the ball around a little bit. But it's like, you know, when you can take your game to the next level and you get the same thing that you get out of a practice and a walkthrough, now you really start to enhance your game. You know, and, and even, you know, as I as I talk to guys, you know, you know, through those periods and kind of working your feet at the top, you know, thinking about, OK, if I get this coverage and walk through, you know, you're able to get so many more reps than you would normally get if you just practicing the plays that you in, you know. So it's it's a lot of different, you know, ways that you can impact guys, man. And I think, again, uh, for me, the number one thing is I tell guys all the time, man, practice and walkthrough is so significant because for myself, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very visual person. You know, if I uh, run a route two times, it's like I ran it 10, you know, because I'm thinking about on other times, okay, if I get this leverage, how would I run this? Like, okay, they may play me like this. How would I run this? Okay, like, do anybody got any tape on if we get two-man? Like, I know they don't really run too much two-man, but if we get it, you know, how kind of should, you know, so it's a lot of different things that you can, you know, again, like, like you were saying, bring to the table, you know, that's, that's not, you know, saw on Sunday. Yeah. Let's, let's go over maybe the top of the list possibility that we really haven't even addressed yet. And that is the Chicago bears sign you to a long-term deal, right? That would be great for everybody. It'd be great for Chicago. There's a lot going on in Chicago right now, you, you know, and I don't know how much that plays in, to your decision either. I mean, you know, you've got, you know, the old saying, you've got two quarterbacks, you've got none, right? So between Nick and Mitch uh, out there playing quarterback, um, how unsettled does it feel? And does that factor into this? Honestly, I would say going into the season last year, it was something where uh, I didn't, you know, think, because I hadn't really played with two quarterbacks for, you know, a while. So, I really didn't think or know how it would, you know, affect me as a player or affect our offense, but it's there. I definitely underestimated that, you know, because for us, it's like we ran two different schemes. You know, we had two different people calling the plays, you know, like you're trying to learn and adjust to two different people on the fly. You know, Nick, when he gets to the line, he likes to get you into the right play, into the right looks and, and things like that. He's a, he's very gung ho on, checks and adjustments at the line of scrimmage you know so for guys that's something that guys had to get used to you know even some of the young guys being in a playbooks non-stop because Nick if he sees something he's going to get to you know um, a block block flat you know if he sees you know uh, a possible nickel blitz or something like that or he might get to a screen or he might so it's like the whole playbook is open you know at any point in time and then also when you have Mitch you know is the scheme is a little bit different, you know, you know, um, we want to use his athleticism some more, you know, so some of the different concepts that we bring into and, and kind of evolve into the offense are a little different. You know, last year we had a new offensive coordinator as well, you know, so coming into training camp, we're kind of learning his system, you know, and then once Nick came in, you know, we're kind of going back to a different kind of system, more of a West coast style. So it was, it was a lot last year, you know, and it was something that, you know, for myself, I, I definitely underestimated. You know, um, as far as the impact that it may have having two different quarterbacks and, you know, playing in multiple kind of schemes, you know, so it, it was tough a little bit sometimes last year. 
Okay, we'll be right back with Richard and Allen in a second, but I've got to remind you, first of all, that just because football is over, the weekends are still awesome. The UFC 259 is this weekend and is sure to be action-packed, and three title fights are taking place in a single night. How about that? DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 100-to-1 odds on either fighter to land a single punch during the title fight. All you got to do is sign up using promo code PFF. George, even I could do that. Even you could do that. And it might get you to watch a little MMA. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's action-packed, as you said. Here's the best part. They're already getting draft props up on DraftKings. Now we're know. talking. Now how excited that makes me. I've already bet a little, you know, who's going to be number two overall pick. These lines move, though. So you got to get on there. Division odds are up as well. So go get your $100, then come back and bet on the draft. It's a ton of fun. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code PFF. It's the best way to go. Uh, they do a great job. It's just as easy to deposit as it is to withdraw. They're fine, upstanding folks over there at DraftKings.com and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia. Only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Virginia, 888-532-3500. The greatest disclaimer reader of all time. And now here we go. Let's go back to Richard and Alan Robinson. Do you ever you ever fool around and think about Jacksonville again? Right, Richard? Because all of a sudden, Jacksonville now, they've got a ton of money. They've got Urban Meyer coming in there. They're going to have Trevor Lawrence. They're going to have him on a rookie contract. So they're going to be able to pay him, pay your, your salary over the next four or five years. Going home doesn't sound all bad right now. And, you know, it's Florida, so it's no state tax. You know. Oh, I heard uh, that. I heard that. Why am I in Longboat Key right now? Let me figure this out. I'll say this, man. This probably was the most uh, tuned in to the college football playoff that I have been, you know, which is, which is funny, you know, watching some of the young quarterbacks, man, and just watching Trevor Lawrence's pro day and things like that. And I think he's going to be an outstanding player in this league. You know, also, you know, guys like Justin Fields and, you know, watching those guys play, you know, it definitely does open open my mind up personally, you know, to, you know, the possibilities of of different situations, you know, and again, and I'm, I'm a person, I'm not, I'm not opposed to anything, you know, like I said before, man, um, I think that everything is on the table. You know, I think that's even what's what's making this process a little bit more exciting, you know, is, you know, I think it would be, you know, dope coming in to possibly playing with the next NFL prodigy of the quarterback position, you know, um, uh, seeing how guys are starting to transcend that position at the quarterback spot, you know, based on their, you know, athleticism and being able to throw, you know, off schedule throws and things like that. So, you know, definitely that's a possibility. Like there's a couple teams like within that similar situation, you know, high draft pick quarterback, Likely, um, a lot of cap, but taxes. You know, like like you know, the first and second pick. You know, it's a huge di disparity. Huge, you know, Jacksonville huge. on one end, no taxes. Yep. New York on the other end, twelve percent, something crazy like Definitely. that. Definitely. Um, how much will that factor in? You know. Well, I think also something that I personally have felt a difference of that has been exciting is uh, playing in a little bit bigger market. You know, I think that that's something that, you know, um, going from Jacksonville to Chicago, you know, I remember when I signed to Chicago, when I first got off the flight and I started going around in Chicago, it's like, you know, wow, like this is a, a huge market. You know, they 
they love the Bears. It's a ton of energy, you know, uh, a sports city, you know, and I'm assuming New York is probably very similar to that. You know, when it when it comes to, you know, the Jets and and the Giants and just, you know, being in the Big Apple, you know, and that's why I train anyway in the in the offseason, you know, so so I'm up there a lot. So I already kind of see it and feel it from a, from a big city aspect. But, you know, that's that's also a part of that can kind of, you know, offset the 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 uh, taxes and stuff like that a little bit. Well, the other thing is, if you haven't watched any of the Zach Wilson tape, go put some on. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what now, if it weren't for the fact that Trevor Lawrence has been kissed by the gods from the minute he walked into college football and has done against the very best competition, has played at the very top of the game, and I would never say anything but great things about him. He deserves all the praise that he has. But if all you did was get dropped down from Mars and you didn't know any of that story and you put on the two tapes, right, Trevor and Zach, and you just watch those two, you go, "Mm, that's pretty close. Now he doesn't have the size, you know, at 200 pounds and he's going to take a beating and and all that kind of stuff. But you want to talk about the guy who plays the game a little like A-Rod? A little bit. Now, I know that's a major stretch, what I'm saying right there. But this young man has some potential to him. No, definitely. And um, I would I would definitely have to agree with you on that, you know, from the tape that I've saw. You know, I think also, you know, something that I think, you know, has been a little bit undervalued is, I mean, you know, the the where he was able to take that BYU unit, you know, uh, especially last year, you know, being able to being able to win games and, you know, again, I mean, I had, cause I remember looking up last year and seeing a, a BYU ranked, you know, and it's like, hold on now, like BYU is ranked. But then once you start watching him play, you know, I think that it's very undervalued for quarterbacks in college, you know, who can elevate a lot of those players around. I can't name anybody else on BYU's team, you know, and I know they had a very solid team, you know, but I think that's a true testament to the quarterback, you know, elevating the players around him. And I think that's significant because that's what you want, especially, you know, on the, on the other side of a guy being able to spin it is that you want a guy that comes into your locker room and be able to elevate everybody else around them, especially when you talk about that position. Yeah. And Richard, the other one is Justin Fields. And you want to talk about just a pure talent, the quickness of release, strength of arm runs like Cam Newton. I mean, this guy has, he has it all now. He's got a little bit of a ways to go, you know, as far as just getting the ball out of his hands. You know, he can hold it a little bit because I, and I think some of those quarterbacks when their ability to run has always been one a, you know, they're just so gifted running the football, but as far as making all the throws and doing all the things that a quarterback has to do, I'm just saying there's going to be some really impactful young players coming into the league out of this rookie quarterback class. They are, they can play. I agree. And um, even the quarterback from uh, North Dakota state, you know, um, from the tape that I've saw him, you know, he's pretty good as well. You know, has, has, has athletic ability, you know, has the ability to, to throw the ball and make any throw on the field, you know, big, strong kid. So I I would agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah, the, the one that's always interesting to me, and I, I, I'm curious how you guys would evaluate. I'm sure you've seen a little bit of them anyway from Alabama and Mac Jones, right? So you go, okay, as far as physically gifted, you know, those other four guys, you just they just blow you out of the water. 
And here's Mac Jones. All he does, whatever, 41 touchdowns, four interceptions. And I'm college football is the only place you get punished for having a great year because oh, your team's too good, right? And in the NFL, if the quarterback wins the Super Bowl, it's all about the quarterback. In college football, if your team wins a super or wins the college football championships, oh, how good is he? His team's great around him. He's not that good. How that gets split out that way, I have no idea. But with Mac Jones, where do you think he fits in now to the NFL with given the fact that he was had all that talent around him? It's crazy because because you say that, and like that's not true. Because they literally two quarterbacks just came from out of there, like you you just had Tua who just left from literally almost identical team minus, you know, huge parts that left and he wasn't punished for it. You know, he wasn't like, they were like, well, Tua had all these, you know, NFL caliber players. So we don't think he should go top five. They still took him top five. And I think, but for some reason, I think it's the lack of mobility um, for Mac Jones. You know, that's, that's killing him because they, they think the way of the old quarterback, even though Tom Brady, who's not moving outside of those hashes, period, point blank, just won another Super Bowl. I think people still feel like the league is trending towards mobile quarterbacks, and that the 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 pocket passer is the the way the. Even though Mac Jones is making all the throws, very accurate, hitting in tight windows, playing the pro style offense, I think they're punishing him for the lack of mobility based on just recency bias. You know the way things have been. As of lately, you got you got all these guys moving around. You got Pat Mahomes, you got got Russell, you got Kyler, you got you know Deshaun, you got you know A Rod. You got guys that just can move around and extend plays. And shoot, I, I'm I'm missing um I'm missing uh, Josh in Buffalo. Um, but I think that's the thing that's hurting him the most is that he's not moving around. He's not doing that. He has all the NFL talent. He has makes all the throws. But the lack of mobility is the only thing. And I don't think that's an issue. I don't. I think in the right offense, like in Kyle's offense, this West Coast, this McVay, this, hey, drop back, throw into tight windows, throw this drip post, hey, read out of this, throw the wheel, um, read through this, throw throw the rolling dig. Like, I think this quarterback would be really valuable. And like, I personally think that the his uh, questionable athleticism comes down to a lot of teams where they really have to dig and be correct on his cerebral aspect of the game because he has to play the game from a much more cerebral position. You know, when you look at a person like Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Russell, those guys are are easy for coaches because they get you out of jail, like easily, you know. But when it's when you have a person that, you know, may be a little okay, it's like, how's our O-line now? You know, like, we don't know if he's going to be able to get out the pocket or whatever the case may be. So I think that in situations like that, the onus really falls more so on management, which is why I think a lot of management really kind of errs on more athletic dudes because they can definitely cover that aspect up. You know, and it's like, you know, if, if Matt Jones was to come in and wasn't at the level cerebrally that they would want, then it's like, okay, now we kind of in trouble, you know, because we may not have the O-line, you know, we may not have this or that for him and, and he may not be as mobile. So I think that's why a lot of people talk about the, the, the lack of athleticism because that will fall solely back on the organization and the coaching being able to put that player in the right uh, situation, put the right pieces around him to make him successful rather than a person like, again, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, 
those guys been scatting around throwing the ball their whole life. You know, like I mean, they're not they're not worried. I think it was you know Russell has been you know sacked I think the most out of quarterbacks over however many years. I think uh, Deshaun Watson was up there last year or the year before that. You know, but they understand that these dudes are gonna get you out of jail. I, I tell you the other thing that's becoming really interesting that may play into Allen's situation here is the last couple of years we've seen Dallas go to a third top-end receiver and draft high. Uh, we've seen Denver come back with the same strategy. Clearly in Seattle now they're talking about what happened to them was they didn't have a third option to go to late in the year when they were trying to hit all those, those deep balls. Atlanta now is talking about the possibility of drafting yet another receiver uh, to put three great ones on the field out there. Uh, Richard, from your standpoint, is it tougher when you're facing a great quarterback, maybe a scrambling quarterback, or a team that can throw three of those monsters out there that makes it impossible to defend? And can you imagine Allen Robinson playing on one of those teams, Seattle, if you will, with two of them, and now all of a sudden you got three? It's 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 challenging because individual matchups are going to be challenging. You know, these guys can get open, but there's still only one football. You know, so it's still only one guy you got to go to. And depending on the quarterback, like where you where you give, you have to like there has to be a decrease somewhere. So if you have three top end receivers, that's going to cost you. So your offensive line likely isn't going to be up to snuff like you need it to be. And if the quarterback can't get the ball off, none of them matter. None of them matter. If he's getting hit in the face every play, none of that matters. That's why the you see in the NFC West, I mean, J.J. Watt just went there. Like, there's a ton of pass rushers. So it's like, if if these offensive lines aren't, aren't all world, then you can have the best receivers in the world and the ball's not getting off. You know, you just saw it in the Super Bowl with, with Pat. You know, with, when, the, when those tackles were out, I mean, he had some of the best receivers in football. You know, some of the most dynamic. But you can't get the ball to him they they it it matters not and so i think there has to be balance that's why i think teams are going to struggle unless you find a rookie you know a guy on a rookie deal along with a rookie rookie deal quarterback and you can say hey you got two dynamic veterans and a and a flashy rookie then i can see it working out great because you can still have a have a have a good old line and be able to pay some guys in the middle pay at the left tackle um and make it work but i think of course it i think it it'd be impossible you know to defend individually unless you somehow pay two great corners, which very few teams have. Yeah, it, to me, the other really interesting place is Baltimore now. I mean, clearly Baltimore is one of the best teams in the league, right? They can play defense. They get after people great. They blitz everybody in the secondary at one time or another, I think, during the course of the season. Um, but it, it, you also have a quarterback in Lamar that is not going to throw it that often. They're always going to be a little bit run-based. But, Alan, every time you had a pass thrown to you, it likely would be against man-to-man coverage because they have to – defenses has have to commit so many resources to trying to stop that running game. How would something like that factor into a decision for you? Yeah, you know, um, I think you you see teams have success, you know, even with that. And the, and, and the first team that comes to mind who has success with a very similar style of play, I would say is Tennessee Titans. You know, yeah. they almost had two a thousand yard receivers this year, and and again, when you sit back and watch them play, as you're uh, watching some other teams and and some of the offenses that they go against, you know, the their receivers are able to get a, a ton of catch and run opportunities because they're able to to work off the play action 
and you get those uh, linebackers run committing. You know, you get that uh, safety in the box. You know, you're able to to get some very advantageous looks on the outside. You know, so again, I mean, you look at a team like that who I would probably say doesn't throw the ball an extreme amount in Tennessee, but they almost had two thousand yard receivers. You know, I think that they had. Um, I think AJ Brown caught for over a thousand. I think Corey Davis was right there. You know, at a thousand. So it does. It definitely. You know. Uh, presents opportunities on the outside for receivers. You know, again, I mean, uh, nothing you will want more than a heavy box, you know, because like I said before, once you beat your man, you, you'll get some more uh, single high matchups. You know, you're able to catch and run. You're able to, you know, work the middle of the field a little bit more because guys really have to respect the run. You know, so you definitely get some very good opportunities. I even think that last year for us in Chicago, once we started to, you know, change our scheme a little bit, you saw in the last six to eight games or so, everybody's, a run after catch started to go up because we were able to to run the ball. We were able to get that pull from the backers. We were able to catch deep crosses on the run. We were able to catch, you know, some short posts on the run and things like that. Uh, Richard, I want you, and we're, I'm going to let Alan go last on this one. Give me the percentage chance that he is tagged in Chicago with no contract. Give me a percentage chance that he signs a long-term deal Percentage chance that he's tagged in Chicago, which then forces him to do some stuff, right? Then game on went from that point. And give me the percentage chance that somehow they just let him go as a free agent. Give, give, I don't know their cap situation. That's what's hurting me right now. I need to know what, what is their cap situation? Where are they at, George? I would say it, I, I would go out on a limb and say it isn't the greatest. Okay. And, and, and Trubisky is a free agent, right? Yes. Uh, I'd say – Eight percent. I think eight, it's low. I think eight, it's low percent of him getting franchised because you got a free agent quarterback, which means you either have to draft or you have to sign. And quarterbacks, you know, take up a huge amount. Um, so that's uncertainty. If you if you tag him, that's money already gone. That's you know guaranteed one year, huge cap hit. So I think the likelihood of it being a one year deal is low because in a year where the cap goes down. You don't want to have a one-year, unflexible cap hit. You know you can't, you can't, you can't play with it. You can't extend. You can't do anything to to make it to decrease it at all. So I think it's low. I told you you should get him as your agent. <laughs> and I personally, I man, I have I have no idea what what the percentages are. You know, because I mean, as a player, you know, when you look at the big picture, you know, I think that you know whenever you start to bring in. Okay, let's say hypothetically a quarterback has to be drafted. You know, I think like like everyone sees around the league now, like you want that guy to have some weapons. You know, I mean, based on the situation of a of a quarterback. You know, so then you have that aspect. You know, then then once you talk about the cap, you know, that kind of you know turns the table. You know, to a whole different direction. So I mean, it's 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 literally like in a Rubik's cube right now. Um, it's so many different situations and. And factors, you know, that can possibly factor in versus, you know, the the, the tag uh, a long term. Because I think that at the end of the day, what a lot of people don't realize is, I mean, a long term definitely gives you more flexibility this year with the cap. You know, I think right. that's the that's the that's the uh, another huge factor of anybody who's you know signing long term. I mean, because we've been hearing about a lot of guys possibly being tagged, whether it's you know Dak Prescott or other guys on the market. But it's like. There's no cap flexibility with that, you know. So I mean, in 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 this year of of any long term deals would give you the flexibility to be able to prorate some of that money 
into when the league's cap is back at its normal and starting to ascend again, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's a ton of different situations, you know, um, I've tried to wrap my head around all of them and, I, and still I, I couldn't, I couldn't point to one to say, which is more likely than the other. Yeah, it's so interesting because all the television deals are about to get wrapped up. If you believe what you're hearing, uh, essentially if what I'm reading is true, that everybody is doubling their price of what they were willing to pay. You likely get an Amazon into the mix as far as paying as well. Is it possible that both of you guys are sitting there thinking about money on this hundred and whatever, $80 million, you know, cap situation and way underestimating what this market is going to be like a year from now? Um, no, I'm not, I'm not underestimating it at all. Um, yeah, me neither. Yeah, I, th I think I think people are going to be able to maneuver in a way that that allows them to push it forward, you know. And that's why that's why I think multi-year deals are going to happen because got pe people are going to be aware of that. The cap could jump from 182, 183 to to 222, 225, you know. And so that's a hard thing to deal with for teams is is that amount of space that quick, you know, because then if, if guys are under contract and, you know, guys are going to be be frustrated or if you got a bunch of one year deals and now you got all this cap, now you got to start dishing out money to guys who may not be deserving. And so I think people are going to either either push out money for guys that they already know are going to be there, you know, long term quarterbacks, et cetera, et cetera, receivers, except that that have made huge impact um, and they'll push their money out as guaranteed and allow them more space in the interim. But I think it's going to allow for, for teams that, that haven't been as competitive um, to be really competitive because some teams like the Saints and the Eagles are, are having to make some very tough decisions and put really good players back on the market um, who wouldn't otherwise be on the market. Yeah, and and to, to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, you know, as well as some of the other teams who have kind of over the past 365 days kind of foresaw this and kind of rolled over some cap for – for years and things like that. So it's, it's definitely ways that, that you can make this year in particular work, you know, rather if it's multi-year deals and a uh, proration and rather if it's a uh, rolling over cap, rather if it's restructure guys. I mean, we see that happen every single day, you know? So, I mean, yeah, the cap is going down, but I don't, I don't see it being as significant in some situations as it is to others. You know, like you were saying, you have, you do have some teams who are, right up against the cap, you know, but again, you have others where if you get a multi-year deal done with a couple guys, you know, you can lower the cap pit for the year that you needed to be the lowest, you know, but once that money kicks in and you have it being possibly 225 next year or uh, whatever the case may be, you know, you're able to have that flexibility to now, you know, prorate some of that money out into the future when the cap starts to go back up. Hey, Chris, Chris, have you heard about the like voidable years and stuff that the Patriots like the Patriots were doing with Tom sure. and, and they did with Revis? I guarantee you there are going to be a lot more teams using that. There there hasn't been a ton of teams using that in the past. I mean, it's mostly been a Patriots thing. I know of a couple other teams that have won off it. But if you say, hey, hey, Rob, we're going to go a four year deal. Two years guaranteed, yada, 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 with two voidable years at the end. We'll figure it out. You know, you're basically signing a two-year deal with four years of flexibility. So they can move the money to, to years that he won't even be there, you know, with, with it being understood that those are voidable years either way. Like the cap hit is 
48 million, you know, something crazy, something insane. And it doesn't matter to either team because, hey, after after the Super Bowl and yada, yada, yada year, five days after the Super Bowl, contracts terminated, we're good. Every Everybody's hands-free unless we extend, unless we negotiate a better deal. And I think you'll see more, more of that. For sure. You know, I think it's a lot of different um, uh, maneuvers that are undervalued. You know, I think that people are wrapping their head around, you know, the cap being low and it is going to affect some guys in certain situations. But, you know, after being in this league uh, a long time, you see the flexibility of, of, you know, that the teams have. You see the restructuring, you see the the rolling cap, you know, you see all these things factor, you know, and and also I think a lot of the teams who have some more flexibility, who are even creating flexibility, I mean, we kind of foresaw this over the past year or so, you know, so I think that some teams even planned out based on, you know, last year's deals or certain deals and even uh, restructure and guys going into the season, you know, and, and the same will happen, you know, I think that that's something that, you know, because again, I mean, we have to remember that the minimum of the cap, it will be 180, 182 or whatever the case. But again, some people who rolled over cap, you know, they're going to have a lot more cap space than others. You know, I tell you, uh, I tell you, Alan, I, I, I've been doing this a long time and I, I, my BS meter, I'm pretty good at it. Right. I mean, I've been interviewing coaches and players and, and everybody lies to me. So I've got to try and decide what is the truth and what's not the truth. And I have no feel for you right now whatsoever. <laughs> I can't tell if you want to stay in Chicago with a long-term deal or if you've got your dancing shoes on and you've got all these people coming after you telling you are the greatest thing that ever happened and you've got to be had. This is back to college recruiting, baby. They are, they are rolling it out for you. Do you have a feel for where you are right now? Which which one are you right now? I'll, I'll say this, and, and I'll be completely honest. Um, it becomes a, a point in time as a player to where is, you know, I can't want to be in Chicago more than they want to have me in Chicago. That's 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 the thing, you know. I mean, if you asked me this question a year ago, you know, you you would have probably got a completely different answer. But at this point now, it's like, you know, if we can make it work, cool. If not, cool. You know, it's not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting so caught up in, you know, where it's like I said before, I'm not tying anybody's hands. I'm not begging. I'm not asking nor forcing anybody to pay, you know, or like if we, if we want to make something happen, cool, fine and dandy. If not, we both can move forward, you know, and I think we see that in the business of sports all the time. You know, it isn't an emotional thing. It isn't anything like that. You know, it's if it if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, I mean, the show will go on, you know, games will be played. You know, I'll be catching passes next season. So for myself, it's like, you know, I'm at the same time, you know, obviously I've been in Chicago. You know, we've had some success and things like that. So I do kind of, you know, I, I do have a great feel towards them. But at the same time, it's like I said earlier, you know, whatever the next chapter is, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to get to work. I'm ready to start, you know building whatever it is wherever it may be yeah just just for the record the reason i wanted richard to be on this podcast with me all the time is his bs ratio was zero i never heard anything come out of his mouth that i didn't believe to be true or at least his version of the truth so when it says zero i want you on the show with me <laughs> well i appreciate that chris i try i think hey i think this free agency is gonna be fun man I, like i said i just got Got told I, I'm involved in a tampering period, so we got two days of, of fun. 
Um, but but like like I was telling you, hey, Rob, it's it's difficult. I was going to ask you this. Like, how are you going to go about the communication aspect? Like if a team says they're in, it's usually a fast process. Like it's, I told somebody else this. Um, I did a clubhouse a couple of weeks ago. I said free agency is literally equivalent to the 20 seconds on Family Feud with Steve Harvey after they pick this <laughs> up. It goes that fast. A lot of people think that you're sitting here, you have time to do this and weigh your options. It goes fast. And decisions have to be made quickly, you know. So right. over the past month or so, I've, you know, kind of been, you know, talking to my agent about some possibilities and, and things like that. So, I mean, I kind of know different situations that I'm, you know, open to and stuff like that, but it goes fast. People think that you have time to sit back and, you know, think, let me get a couple of days on it. And then you get a few minutes, uh, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 15 minutes. Don't get me wrong. Some guys more so than others, but it goes fast. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not a timely process at all. So what's a, what's a, like, like a, Two second, like if somebody offered you this and and go high, don't low by yourself, don't because I don't want to hear from your agent talking mess to us. Um, but what's an offer where a team could say, hey, and you you like, hey, I don't even need to talk to anybody. Let's let's sign it up, regardless of 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 location, culture, situation, et cetera. Or you're like, that's the number I'm I'm walking up in the table. Yeah, uh, you know for sure when you start to look at the top three salaries of receivers, you know, in the league, you know, I think as a, as a player, you know, um, in that kind of average of realm, you know, that's almost a, a no brainer, you know, when you, when you look at the market and, and things like that, you know, so, and then I think the, the next step is again, I mean, being possibly being free is, you know, depending on certain situations, you know, um, again, I mean, you know, just tracking some of the quarterback situations. Unfortunately, I was hoping some more dominoes would have, fail you know before free agency as far as where some guys may may be at you know kind of sitting back seeing what Deshaun Watson and 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 and, and uh, Russell Wilson and and guys like that you know because as a, I mean as a player obviously if those things can possibly impact you and affect you and if you have you know a choice to potentially be able to play with those guys you know you definitely want to be able to as a player you know factor that in you know again seeing you know, I mean, the kind of player that Deshaun Watson is. So it's like, okay, now, like, all right, let me see. Now, if, it, if it's a chance, you know, there, then, you know, that's definitely something as a player that you would would for sure want to make happen. Yeah. You guys are awesome, man. This has been really fun. I I, I never got to be a free agent other than broadcasting a couple times. <laughs> but I never got to experience what you guys are experiencing, and um, it's been fantastic. I'm going to guess I can – what's on the rest of your shirt there. Uh, Alan, you want to make a final comment here? Richard and I have talked about some of the social justice stuff uh, that's happened this year. I, I don't even know how to ask the question. So I want to say, did it move the needle? Are, are we better today than we were at the beginning of this football season? And if the answer is yes, then where is, where is next step? Where, what's the next most important thing that we can all try and uh, strive toward? I definitely think it's better. Um, I don't think it's where it needs to be at yet, but I definitely think it's better, you know? And and the reason why I say that, because I even see somebody saying that, you know, having athletes talk about politics or whatever the case may the be. LeBron thing, I yeah. talked about LeBron James the other day, but it's like, for us, like, we are 
forms of politicians in our communities. You know, people listen to players. People, you know, we're the ones that are doing the community events. We're the ones that are talking to the youth. We're the guys who have the seven on seven teams and stuff like that. So it's it's our due diligence to try to make our voice heard in the community, you know, and it's people that are looking up to us, you know, from that standpoint of what are those guys doing? You know, how are those guys affecting the community? You know, so I think for guys just continue to, you know, put their actions where their mouth is as far as, you know, being in the community speaking, you know, I think it was huge. A lot of guys that, you know, you saw NBA players, NFL players, you know, registering their guys to vote, you know, and things like that. Steps like that is, is huge. You know, again, I mean, this is a year that I saw, you know, probably more than anybody on my team be registered to vote. You know, I remember, you know, the last election, you hear guys coming around, you know, saying, you know, that they didn't vote, they didn't really didn't care and things like that, you know. So I think the next step on top of even voting and stuff is start to get guys more so involved in their local elections, you know, and being able to actually create change in those local communities rather than just you know, when it's national elections and things like that is guys have to be able to, you know, get with these local politicians and hear what's being talked about and try to affect that way as well. Because on an everyday basis, those people in those communities are the ones that are being extremely affected. So I do think that as a as a as a whole, we're making progress. But I think that us as a culture and everyone involved has to keep their foot on the gas to be able to continue to expedite that process and to keep that process going. It's been awesome, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, Alan, big fan of your game. I, I hope you get paid through the roof. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm from Florida, so a little return back home wouldn't be all bad for me, but you know how it goes. I, I'm, I'm rooting for you. There you go. <laughs> Great job. Richard, thank you again, partner. Appreciate it. Good talking to you, A-Rock. All right, you guys too. Take it easy. You too, brother. All right, special thanks to Alan Robinson. That was a lot of fun. We'll be back next week with another great conversation, hopefully another tremendous guest for you. Uh, We thank you for tuning in and subscribing, and we'll see you next week.